Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Why don't you grab your Bibles with me, please? Two different places to turn to today. Philippians chapter 4 and uh, the Gospel of John chapter 15. Philippians 4 and the Gospel of John chapter 15. So can you stand some good news today? Amen. Amen. So I was approached by, uh, by someone last week after church that uh, has just uh, started coming to our church in the last couple, of, uh, last couple of months. And she wanted to let me know that she got saved last, last week in the 11 o'clock service. And we are so excited about that. Listen, she said, she said listen, I thought I'd been saved. Um, she said, I realized today that I had given him my problems, but I'd never given him myself. I said, Lord, that'll preach right there. Um, so praise God that she found him uh, in the true pardon of her sins, surrendering her life to the Lord. Had another gentleman come up and say, man, it's been a rough road, and I have sur- I, I rededicated my life to the Lord. That was last Sunday as well, so praise God. Hey, listen, y'all, he still saves. He still saves. He, and the Lord knows we need it, right? So he's not out of, he's not out of business I know the economy's bad, but God's economy is just fine. He's fine. He's still in the saving business. We just got to bring him customers. Isn't that the the call? He said, go get them and bring them to me. So, amen. That's another message. Y'all stop that. Sorry. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 and John chapter something, whatever I told you. Uh, Philippians 4.13 says this, For I can can do uh, everything or all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now look at what uh, Jesus said in John 15 and 5. Jesus said, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Now pay attention to this because it ties into what we just read. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, would you add your anointing and your illumination, your understanding uh, to the reading and the hearing and the preaching and most importantly, the doing of your word today. Lord, we want our lives to change, to be changed by the power of your word um, so that we can glorify you and become like you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. These two verses that we just read form really the foundation of the life of a follower of Jesus. Um, But too many times we either don't believe it or we don't understand it or we don't put it into practice. When you focus on the I can part of that verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you focus on the I can part, it's really easy to believe that everything in this walk walk of following Jesus depends on us. And when you see it that way, it gets really easy to get caught up either in pride or in frustration and defeat. 
the most important, the two most important words in that verse is not I can, it's through Christ. Through Christ. We can't forget that the power that we need to operate in this life that we live following Jesus is found through Christ. Jesus put it this way. He put it into better focus when he said, apart from me, outside of me and my power and the relationship you have with me, you can't do anything. So last week we talked about the power of I can't. And today I just want to continue that conversation because there's more to the story uh, of I can't. We discovered last week that you can't even be saved. You can't be saved uh, without understanding I can't save myself. Our salvation is is entirely and completely dependent upon uh, the power of Christ and his sacrifice for our sin. So there is no sinner that's too far gone that the power of Christ's love can't pull them back. Amen? And there is no sin that's too difficult or no, no sin that's too dirty that the blood of Jesus can't wash you clean. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. Ephesians 2 says that we are saved by grace through faith. Right? That salvation is the free gift of God, and that's not the result of any effort on our part. We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. Amen? Amen. We didn't do it. It was 100% Him, it was 0% us. So now we're saved. John, okay, I'm saved. Now what? Well, we've surrendered our lives to Jesus. Right? We didn't just give him our problems, we gave him ourselves. We've surrendered our lives to Jesus. The will of God is, and I'm going to show it to you in a minute, but the will of God is that we become like Jesus and that we continue his work. But how do we do that? How do we do that? In our own flesh, we're no more righteous now than we were before we got saved. Didn't the word say that our righteousness is as filthy rags in his sight, whether we're saved or not? Anything we do in our own effort just won't cut it. And in our own power, we're no better at keeping the rules than we were before we got saved. So how in the world can, can the Father ever expect us to be like Jesus uh, if, if, we're, if our righteousness is as filthy rags and our effort is going to fall flat? He expects us to do that by continuing to walk in the power of I can't. I can't. The same power, the same attitude that got us to to be saved in the first place is the power that's going to get us to walk in that salvation. You see, too many people think that once we surrender ourselves to Christ, then we're expected to keep all the rules perfectly. But following Jesus is not about rule-keeping. It's about relationship. I want you to look back at what Jesus said in the verse we already read. Jesus said this, I am the vine and you are the branches. Think about the relationship between vine and branch. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. He is not a command. It's a statement of fact. When you stay in relationship with Jesus, you're going to produce fruit. It is the natural result of staying connected to the true vine. It's your connection to him that causes you to be obedient and fruitful. 
it's not your fruitfulness that earns your connection. Do you see the difference? If our obedience is required to earn his acceptance, then we've been saved for nothing because we're fixing to blow it. Why? Because we can't do the right thing in and of ourselves. Our flesh is weak. We're prone to fail. If we try to earn God's good graces, if we try to walk in our own power, we'll constantly live in a state of fear and a state of failure and we'll never have time to focus on the actual work of the kingdom that he's called us to. So what do we do? We live in the confession that I can't. I can't. Let me show it to you. I'm going to show it to you in several places today, but let me, let me show it to you in the, in the word. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul, the apostle, says um, he's got this messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh that he has. And, and he said three times, three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away from me. Each time, this is what he said. And in your Bible, these words are in red. Jesus spoke back to him and said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Then I'm strong. We think we have to bring God our strength. We think we have to help him out. We think if we're not perfect, we're no good for the kingdom. No, he doesn't need your strength. He doesn't need your perfection. Your power gets in his way anyway. He's not looking for your I cans. He's looking for your I can't. Because when we can't, he can. People stand back from God hoping that at some point in their life they're going to be holy enough or strong enough, or powerful enough for him to use them, and for him to even accept them. Listen, that's the lie of the enemy. Your inability is not a liability. Your inability is not a liability. It's an all-access pass to the power of God. See, there are those who think that, that we advance the kingdom of Christ by leveraging our intelligence. And once we get saved, we, if we're just smart enough, if we can leverage our popularity, our influence, if we can leverage our, our resources, our inner strength, if we can leverage our charisma, our personality, our power, then the cause of Christ is going to be advanced. But listen, if he was dependent upon us and our strength and our, and our abilities to advance his kingdom, if God was depending on the quality of people that he called, wouldn't he have been a lot more selective in who he invited to be saved in the first place? Like, shouldn't you have to submit a resume and take a battery of, of exams? What did Jesus say? Whosoever will may come. All of you, smart ones, and, well, you just fill in the blank with. I don't want to say that on Sunday morning, hurt people's feelings. 
all of you, the pretty ones, you fill in the blank with all those. Everybody. He said it's not his will, and in 1 Peter, it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Look at the 12 he chose to be his inner circle. What a bunch of misfits. Man, that was a motley crew of misfits. But he chose them. He went on the mountain. He prayed all night about which 12 to choose. And that's what he came up with. He did it on purpose. He, even when he called you and me, he knew exactly what he was getting. It ain't like you get home from the store like, and, you, and you pull it out the bag and go, that ain't what I bought. This is not, this is not right. This thing's broken already. That, he never does that. He knows exactly you were broke when he bought you. Isn't that crazy? He went looking for the clearance rack. I do too, but for another reason. I, it, I'm just cheap. But he went to the clearance rack of humanity to find us and went, that's exactly what I was looking for. What in the world kind of God does that? Let me show it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, the Apostle Paul, I love him. He, he's just, he just says it. He, didn't, he failed out of charm school. He just says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes. Like, y'all wasn't the cream of the crop. That's what Paul's saying. Y'all exact, weren't exactly the top of the class. Uh, few of you were wealthy or powerful when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who think they're powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. He's talking about us, by the way. And used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You say, John, listen, I'm the last guy that, that Jesus should have called. I've got nothing. I've got nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table. Then perfect. You're exactly what he was looking for. People, people who confess, I can't. Because when they recognize that I can't, then they're open to staying out of the way so that God can demonstrate his power through their weakness. Your inability is not a liability. It's what gets you to the point that you can do all things through the strength and the power of Jesus Christ. None of it's up to you. All of it's up to Him. That's good news, y'all. In a strange sort of way, I can't is the springboard to faith. I can't is the springboard to faith. When God called Moses, this is in the book of Exodus, God called Moses the, to lead the children of Israel out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. What did, what did Moses say? Mm, I can't. Right? He said, he said that many times and enthusiastically. I can't. You got the wrong guy. I can't. See, i got this speech problem, and I've got this credibility problem, like those people don't really like me, and I've got this legal problem because I'm wanted for murder by the Pharaoh. Uh, so I can't. What did God do? One by one, he started providing solutions until Moses had the faith to say yes. 
Now, what happened in the book of Judges when God called Gideon to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites? Gideon started with, I can't. Nope, I'm not the guy. As a matter of fact, this this, uh, mighty man of valor was hiding from the enemy when when the angel found him. And, And he said, I can't. Listen, I've got no training. I have no military training. I have no social status. My family's the worst family in the worst tribe in Israel. I've got no natural leadership ability. And as a matter of fact, I'm still a little bit bitter at God that we're supposed to be his people and we're running for our lives in the first place. So I'm not your guy. I can't. But God kept answering his questions, confirming the plan for him until he had the faith to say yes. It was a man that brought his son to Jesus, a father, brought his son to Jesus to be healed, to be delivered. When Jesus asked him, hey, do you believe I can do this? The man was very, very honest in that moment and very courageous to say this to the Son of God. He said, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Right? Why? Because following Jesus is a faith walk. He's going he's gonna to call you to serve him. He's going to call you to trust him. He's going to call you to follow him. He's going to call you to get out of your comfort zone and do something that you don't think you want to do. And your first response is going to be, I can't. And you know what? That's perfectly fine. But realize, he's not asking you to do it on your own. He provides the power. He provides the ability. You just have to believe. Your I can't will lead you to the faith that you need, and your faith will lead you to victory. John, I'm not sure I understand how faith and this I can't thing are really related. Well, the opposite of faith is not fear. It's not fear. You can follow God by faith. You can step out in faith and be scared to death. Uh, sit down, I'll tell you all those stories, especially at the beginning, right? Scared to death, but committed to following him in faith. Faith is recognizing that it's all about him, right? And that it's through him that anything's going to be accomplished. That's faith. The opposite of that, then, is believing that if anything's going to get accomplished, it's going to be in my strength and my wisdom and my power. That it, if it's going to happen, I'm going to make it happen. That's the opposite of faith. That's not fear. That's pride. That's pride. The opposite of faith is not fear. It's pride. I can't is the humble opposite of the arrogant declaration, I can. That's why the more convinced we are that I can't, the closer we are to living by faith, which is what he called us to in the first place. When God called me to pastor this church, uh, December will be nine years that I've been the pastor of this church. But I, I spent 20 years before that on staff serving other pastors. And my first response to that call was, I can't. Like, what if I can't be the guy? I've always been the guy beside the guy, behind the guy, helping the guy. What if I can't be the guy? And I had a thousand reasons why that was probably true. And the longer that I walked down this road, the more convinced that I was right in the first place. I can't. I can't. But the promise of God was to me and is to you, if I called you to it, I'll get you through it. Right? The the promise of God is that I equip those that I call. 
The promise of God is to us the way it was to Joshua as he was trying to take over the church from Moses. He said, don't be afraid. I am with you. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. The promises of God never fail. So the reality is, no matter how long you live in relationship with Jesus, it's never about you. It's never up to you. It's never depending on you. God is never going to be on the throne, slumped down, twiddling his thumbs, waiting on you to get pure enough or holy enough or strong enough or smart enough for him to use you. He's not waiting on your power. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. With him, you will always have all the power you need. You say, but, but John, following Jesus comes with all these expectations. Like my whole life has to change. I can't keep doing what I've been doing. Yes. You're right. Here's the truth. Your inability doesn't relieve you of the responsibility. Just because you can't doesn't mean he doesn't still expect you to. We must bear fruit. We must be holy. We must go and make disciples. We must serve. We must give. We must love because that's what followers of Jesus do. do. But the, the, the power to change, the power to do those things doesn't come from within yourself. It comes from within his self. That's why Jesus said, remain in me, abide in me. He's the power source. He's the one who saves you. He's the one who changes you. And he's the one who gives you the power to serve him. That's why we got to stop spending so much time trying to change our behavior and start spending that time and that effort and that focus getting grounded and rooted in relationship with Jesus. Why? Because if we keep trying to change on our own, we're either going to fail or we're going to fall into pride. And and neither of them are going to lead you to Jesus. You're either going to fail or you're going to be religious where you think you're depending upon yourself. Neither of those makes you more like Jesus. If we will just learn to abide in Jesus through prayer, through the word, through worship, then he will start changing us from the inside out and he'll do it by his power and it'll be a lasting change. You say, okay, John, that's cool. That's that's great. But Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was standing right there. He's not here anymore. How do we stay connected with Jesus? Well, listen, take 15 minutes and read the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17. It's the last conversation he had with the disciples on this earth. And it's when he was telling them, I'm the, I'm the vine, you're the branches, I'm the good shepherd, all of those things. He, read that in 15 minutes, all at once, read the whole conversation, and you'll know exactly what the answer is because it's clear. Jesus said, I'm going away, but I'm sending you someone who's just like me. 
I'm sending you another comforter, another one just like himself who is like me. And he said he's going to teach you everything you need to know. He's not just going to be with you like I'm with you. He's going to be in you in a way that you've never experienced. And his name is the Holy Spirit. You're like, John, hang on now. If I've got all this power through the Holy Spirit, why do I still act like I act? Why do I still act more like I was than like I'm supposed to be? Why is it still such a struggle just to have joy? Why is it such a struggle just to behave? Y'all ever had that conversation in the mirror? Like, could you please just be good today? At least until 9.30. Which would be like two hours past what you normally make it. Right? Just, God, just... I just need to watch my mouth today. Why is it so hard to do the work of the ministry? Why is everything so stinking hard? Well, I think the key is that we're still trying to do it on our own. We still think we can when the Bible is clear that we can't. Look at what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. You can read this this entire... um, chapter is incredibly important, especially to this discussion, but we're going to hopscotch a little bit so that you can hit the highlights and go back and fill it in. And Paul said, you're not controlled by your sinful nature. Isn't that good news? Once you're saved, you're no longer controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember, those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them don't belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, that's resurrection power, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He'll give you life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living inside of you. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit or who walk in the Spirit are children of God. Now, let's let's look at this passage from verse 26 through 37. This verse, uh, as much as any other in the Bible, makes me feel so much better. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hallelujah. Right? He helps us in our strength, in our wisdom, in our intelligence. No, in our weakness. He helps us. For example, the apostle, the great apostle Paul said, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Does that make anybody else feel better besides me? It's like, we don't even know. It's not that we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know what to pray for. The Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. For God knew, pay attention to these next two verses, God knew in advance, uh, God knew His people in advance. He, God knows everything in advance, by the way. And He chose them on purpose to become like His Son. I told you that I would show you in the Word where the will of God for our lives, once we're believers, is to become like Jesus. 
There it is. He chose us to become like, like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given, that's justification, and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give give us everything else? Everything else that we need, he will give us. Who dares to accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, because God has given us his right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us, was raised to life for us, and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Y'all hold on just a second. How many times in your walk with the Lord do you think, if I don't start acting right, he's not going to love me anymore. If I would start doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing, he would love me more, and these things wouldn't be happening in my life. Can anything, verse 35, ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, if we're persecuted or hungry, well, there goes the prosperity gospel, right? Or destitute, that's broke, by the way, uh, or in danger, or threatened with death. As the scripture says, every day we're being slaughtered like sheep. The verse 37, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is, present tense, not will be ours, is ours through Christ who loved us. Listen, you can't do it in your strength. You have to walk in the Spirit. He helps us in our weaknesses. He doesn't condemn us. He isn't surprised by our inability. He already had a plan for it in His name. It's the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I don't even know how to pray right. Like, sometimes the basics of Christianity elude me. And he said the Holy Spirit will help us. He helps us pray. He, as a matter of fact, he says he does it for us. All you have to do is confess, I can't, and he will. In verse 29, it says God chose us in advance to become like his son. He chose people who were not wise and not wealthy and not powerful. He chose us on purpose, and yet he still expects us to be like Jesus. Yes, but read the next verse. Verse 30 said, he says, but after I chose them, I called them. And I brought them to myself, and I justified them, and I glorified them, and I loved them with a love that no failure and no flaw and no weakness and no circumstance of their life will ever diminish or take away. It's always been about Him. And we've always thought it was about us. So you say, if you're having a hard time living up to the standard Welcome to the club, the human club. Just declare, I can't. And then surrender yourself to the Holy Spirit and let Him do the work in you, through you, and for you. 
Now listen, I want to set a couple of things and see if we can agree on this. Everything that you need to be, everything that your life needs to produce, the Holy Spirit does that, doesn't he? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. Y'all heard of those? Fruit of the Spirit? Can somebody speak? Yes? Okay. All of that, that's fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit provides that. Every ability that you need as a believer, everything you need to accomplish in ministry, hospitality, service, leadership, teaching. That's Romans 12, by the way. Uh, this is uh, Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Miracles, faith, tongues and interpretation, prophecy, healings, all of those things, and there's more, all of it, those are enablings of the Holy Spirit given to you and through you for the benefit of the body of Christ. Can we agree on that? There is never anything that he will call you to do that he won't provide the ability to do it. So here's the conclusion. You say, well, well, John, that sounds really super spiritual. I don't know about all of that. I don't know if I'm that kind of guy. I don't know if like, I want to be like that saved. or what. L- listen, what's the alternative? What's the alternative? Would you agree that the love, joy, peace, everything that the Holy Spirit provides... Would you agree that that is pure and true and that's the authentic deal right there, right? Like that's the real stuff. So if God gives pure and powerful gifts and fruits for ministry, then anything you produce in your own power is at best second rate and at worst counterfeit. So why in the world would we settle for anything less than the best that God has to offer. The same power who raised Jesus from the grave is living and operating inside of us as believers. So there's no way for us to say there's any habit that we can't break or any obstacle we can't get through or anything God has called us to that we're not able to do. We have all the power we need through Christ who gives us his strength by his spirit. Now, we just came through graduation season, and you hear this proverb. In, in proverb 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding, right? That is a great description of what walking in the Spirit looks like. You just you don't trust yourself. You don't trust your knowledge. You talk to the Lord about everything and discern what it is the Spirit wants you to do. You know, how am I, what, how am I going to know? Ask Him. Ask Him. He was sent here on this earth for us to tell us stuff. But we don't ask him stuff. See, there's so much guilt and condemnation in the church. Too many good people are weary from just trying to be good. And I just, my word to you today is stop it. Stop it. I'm not saying how you live doesn't matter. I'm not saying to go back out into sin. I'm saying stop trying to live in your own power. Confess you can't. Tell the Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. And then just breathe and ask Him to do it through you. Now here's one, here's an example. It's a big deal for a lot of people. Uh, Any worriers in the house? Anybody will confess that they've been known to worry? Three people. Let's talk about lying for a second. Let's start with liars. Okay, now let's go back to worrying. Um, I'm, I have been known to worry a bit myself, like Olympic-style 
worrying. Um, you know how much time I've wasted in my life? How many hours, maybe days of my life at this point that I have wasted worrying about stuff? Like, I don't know how you, what your psychosis is. I run scenarios in my head all the time about everything. I don't even have to decide to do it. My brain just do it, okay? It just, it just does. It just happens. So if they do this, then I'm going to need to do that. Or if they do this, then what are, what's the next three moves that I'm going to need to make to counteract the things that they're going to... And does that sound familiar to y'all? It's exhausting. And it brings with it fear and anxiety, and, the, and they, they paralyze us. Besides the fact that research, this is secular research done by like the American Psychological Association. This is not spiritual at all. They found that 90% of what we worry about never happens. Like, ever. And the 10% that does eventually happen, uh, it either never happens the way you expect it to happen, or... Uh, you forget what you were going to do if that 10% did ever happen. Do y'all ever do that? Like you're prepared, you're ready, and it happens, and you go, you just freeze up. You're like, oh, I was going to say the, I had the best comeback, and you remember it in the car on the way home after you just got your tail tore up, right? You never remember what you were supposed to do. So what, what happened? You just wasted all of that time. Wasted it, trying to prepare for it in your own power. And to top it all off, while my mind is occupied with my own thoughts and hearing my own panicked voice, pre-panicked voice, this, this stuff hadn't even happened. I'm panicking over stuff that hasn't even happened in reality yet. And I hear my pre-panicked voice in my head, and there's no space for the Holy Spirit to occupy. He can't show me uh, he can't show me a hurting person that's right in front of my face. I can't see it. can't hear it. He can't give me any insight. He can't give me any revelation. He can't help me. He can't give me anything. Why? I'm full. Brain's full. Occupied. I am learning slowly to tell the Holy Spirit, listen, here's the situation. I can't. I just can't, I don't know what to do. I can't figure this one out and then just leave it to him, trusting that he's going to provide the power and the wisdom to handle whatever comes up. I want to show it to you. We're almost done, but I want to show it to you in Matthew 10. This is what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus also didn't really mince words. He said, oh, hey, y'all, um, you're going to stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. Like you're going to get arrested and dragged in, into court. Uh, but this will be an opportunity to tell rulers and other unbelievers about me. So when you're arrested, um, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't worry about how to respond or what you're going to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Listen, that's what walking in the Holy Spirit looks like. Trusting that God has the solution before you ever know there's a problem. And God doesn't have to run scenarios. He already knows specifically what issue you're going to face and specifically what you need to do. So there's no need for us to waste time worrying. We give him the problem and trust him for the solution.
So listen, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I think the bottom line of all of this is that we've made the Holy Spirit some sort of super spiritual add-on for special people instead of the foundational necessity of following Jesus. We have such a poor theology of the Holy Spirit in the American church, even in the Pentecostal church, that what's left of the American church is this shell of a church that's hobbling along trying to rely on their own power. That's why we have such anemic churches and such defeated, frustrated, exhausted believers. Listen to me. You cannot live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit. More of Him and less of you is the formula for victory. It's the formula for victory. The more of yourself you surrender to Him, the more of yourself that you confess, I can't, then the more of your life you can turn over to Him so He can. We're saved by this confession, I can't. Doesn't it make sense we would live by the same confession? Let me show it to you. Last place, Galatians 3 and 3. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own efforts? That just kind of puts the bow on it, doesn't it? It just lays it right out there for you. Are you struggling in your relationship with Jesus? Are you, are you struggling trying to live a holy life? Are you struggling just trying to behave? Struggling to find true, lasting joy and peace or even just kindness? You having trouble loving somebody? Tell the Holy Spirit, I can't, but you can. Are you having trouble with your mouth? Tell the Holy Spirit, I can't control my tongue. But you can. I give you control today. And then listen when he tells you to hush. This is what I'm praying right now. Because this is turning my world upside down too. This is what I'm praying now. Lord, I'm not asking you to help me to do it better. I'm asking you to do it. Period. Do it through me. Lord, live through me. Didn't he say we are crucified with Christ? It's no longer us who lives. It's Christ who lives within us. So I'm saying, Lord, live through me. Lord, love through me. I've prayed this week. Lord, love my wife through me. Instead of asking me to be a better version of the husband that I am, love her through me. Isn't that the best way to do it? Lord, I pray, Lord, love my kids. Lead me and lead my kids through me. Lord, love and lead this church through me, for me, in my place. Lord, speak to that person's hurt over there through me. I can't do this, but you do it through me. Apart from Christ, I can't do anything, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength to do it. Why don't you stand with me today? I appreciate your patience, but um, this, this is a word that I needed to share with you. Just breathe, y'all. Just breathe. He loves you. 
There are times, you know, everybody's kind of got a process. Every pastor, I guess, has a process for how they prepare and how they figure out what it is that God wants to say. There have been times that I just say, God, what is it? And I do this a lot, but, but there are some times in particular that it just feels like I just need to ask the question. God, what, Lord, if you were going to preach yourself today, what would you want to say? I'm telling you, almost every time it comes back to tell my kids I love them. I don't think we recognize how much he loves us. And I don't think we understand how revolutionary that is in our lives. To know that you're loved no matter what. I don't care, I don't care how good you are as a husband or a wife. Everybody's got a line. I'm just telling you, everybody's got a line. Not everybody might have reached it in their lifetime. Everybody's got a line. God ain't got a line. Nothing you can do will separate you from his love. And if we can understand that, then he'll change our lives and a whole bunch of other lives through us. We got we to gotta build our lives on it. So we're going to pray. Bree's going to sing a song. I'm gonna, this, this altar is open. I want you to come and pray. It, it can be about this or anything else you got going on in your life. If you need to come meet the Lord about a situation, come and lay it on the altar. He'll meet you here. And we'll be, be dismissed together in just a minute. But please take the time to do some spiritual inventory today and see if there's areas of your life where you're still trying to do it on your own effort. And stop it. Give it to Him. Lord, I just thank you for the chance to, um, to be together today. And Lord, I thank you for your word and for the way you uh, show us the things in our lives that uh, we need to change. And it's not that we need to change because you're mad at us. You need to change. We need to change it because it's better for us. And, and I pray that you'd help us to have the courage and the strength to do that. Lord, show us all the areas of our lives where we're trying to do it on our own. And I pray that you would set us free from that kind of religious thinking and restore the right relationship that we need with you. And Lord, whatever else is going on in people's lives, whether it's relationship issues, financial issues, health problems, whatever it is, Lord, would you draw your people to yourself so that you can love on them and you can meet their needs. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.